Today's episode of One Shiny Podcast is brought to you by our new co-worker, Tate Frazier. His name is Ryan Rossillo. He's a good friend of ours. Yeah, yeah. He is now coming to the Ringer Podcast Network doing a college football slash NFL podcast um, called Dual Threat, which comes out on this Wednesday, I think, is the first episode, Tate. Did, did you and I, the, the people in the streets are asking, was this deal facilitated by Titus and Tate basically hanging out with Rosillo every mm. day at Summer League? Is mm. that what got this deal done? That's what the people are asking. And listen, I don't, I don't think it's... I don't think we can really talk about it, but you know, believe what you will on how this all came about. But Ryan Rasillo is on our podcast network. Tate, your thoughts? It was the July recruiting period, right? So we were we were allowed to do that in the new window. So uh, it was just the bad guys out in the yeah. world, you know, making things happen. It was all That's legal. What we do, man. Yeah, legal Tinder. It was. We were we were staying true to the brand. We got Rasillo to come in. Um, Keller had a great idea, Tate, for Rasillo and KOC to do a video series where. Rosillo and KOC lift weights together and they never like they never in the video series acknowledge like that they're lifting weights the whole the whole time the video is shooting they're just talking about the NBA and like Rosillo spotting KOC on bench press and they're talking about you know whether whether Carmelo makes the Rockets better or worse <laughs> and it's never it's never like acknowledged that they're like lifting weights and no one really has any idea what's going on it's just <laughs> And then KOC becomes famous, like Kevin Durant. He can't get the bar up, you know, and everyone starts talking about yeah. it. That's like his thing that he's, you know, known for. That's good. That's the other wrinkle is like KOC, they never change the weight. Like Rosillo puts his weight on, and then KOC has to try to do it. is looking in the mirror, flexing while KOC is struggling in the background. No one's spotting him. And they're like great. just breaking down the trade deadline as this is going on. And they never, there's never a moment where they're like, all right, so here's the premise, folks. Here's what we're going to do. They never acknowledge it. They just like, it's just straight up lifted weights and, and talking. Yeah. That would be an awesome idea. I we'll, love it. We'll try to make that happen. Yes, right? please. Uh, but no, go subscribe to, go subscribe to our friend Ryan Rosillo's podcast. Um, we're very excited for this. We, uh, we love the man. He's great at what he does as well. So, and, and more college stuff, Tate. We, we always need more college coverage at the ringer.com. Um, also, I want to mention that I was on the Bill Simmons podcast yesterday, uh, so check that out if you're into that. I'm sure most people that listen to us, Tate, probably listen to Bill as well. Um, but yeah, I, if, if I talked about the Little League World Series, Urban Meyer, and athletes dealing with mental health issues. So uh, Wait. it was a very different podcast than what I usually do on here. You didn't talk about the serious. Pacers? We did not talk about the Pacers. Oh. Well, we we did not talk about maybe how not I for played me. AU with Greg Owen and and Greg Oden and Mike Conley and Josh McRoberts and Eric Gordon and Daquan Cook. We did not talk about that. Uh yeah. So but but we did talk about some other stuff. And Kyle, Kyle, can I just can I just call you out for a second? I know you're gonna get mad at us because this intro is taking forever, but why why are you more engaging? I mean, we know the answer to this, but on Bill's pod, you talk when you're called upon. On our on our pod, you just make noises. Whenever what do you, what I, whenever do you want I'm me to like, do? Kyle, you want me to interrupt your thoughts? Do you, do you, I've I've done that too. No, I'll throw it to I you. I see Dark Titus, Kyle, I've I'll, seen it. I don't need that shit in my life. Dude, we went to we went to Cleveland together and I was like I was like, man, I had a great time with Kyle in Cleveland. It was awesome <laughs> staying in the hotel, right, Kyle? And you're like, <laughs> Yeah, Kyle, you're like Groot Fair on enough. our podcast. You just grunt and make noises. Fair enough. You don't use words. I kinda like it. You're Tim the you're Tim the Toolman Taylor, dude. You're just <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, check those out. Go subscribe to Rosillo's pod. Go listen to uh, Bill's pod if you want to hear me put my serious cap on and talk about the three most serious things in my life right now, which were the Lily World Series, uh, my my mental health issues, and just mental health in general, and uh, Urban Meyer basically um, just 
the whole sabotage of Ohio State University that's happened with, with the handling of the Urban Meyer situation. Uh, we are going to talk today on our pod about college basketball. That's I thought we'd throw a curveball to eight. I thought we would uh, mm. talk about some college basketball. Um, so we don't know where this is going to go, but there's a, there's a handful of things we want to get to. We will we will do our best to keep it entertaining. But first, Woody Durham. It takes the timeout. All right, it's Tuesday. It's time for a new episode of the podcast. Uh, we both are—I uh, don't know—I don't know what are we what are we hampered a little bit. Both of us. Uh, for me, on my end, I'll speak to myself first. First day because I think the audience enjoys this. I think when we come out of the gate and we complain about our lives and it's like the most menial complaints, uh, people just love that. It resonates with them. They're like, "Oh, stars! They're just like us. They complain <laughs> about stupid bullshit that no one wants to hear about." And for me, Tate, here's my here's what I'm struggling with. Went to lunch at Chipotle. Uh, the lady working there, I like, I go there enough that, that she knows who I am. And I don't mean to say that like she listens to the pod or like knows me as a public figure, but she just like recognizes my face. Uh, and every time I go in there, this lady who's making the, the burritos, she thinks she's hooking me up. She always like puts way too much rice and being like ev- everything. She overstuffs the burrito and she thinks she's hooking me up. And then basically all she's really doing is like making me just, I have to eat the whole thing. And now I'm bloated is basically my long story short. I, I that, that that's a that's a thing that annoys me. I guess is restaurant workers who think they're hooking you up, but really they're just giving you more food to eat and your stuff beyond your limits. And uh, you you have to eat it. And that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, so, I can't so believe you're this, complaining about this. I honestly can't yeah. believe it, dude. Kyle, I can't. When, believe I went it. to Fazoli's one time, and we're, we're we're off the rails already. Out of the start, two <laughs> less than a minute into the pod. Same this one, t- so I'm I'm driving through. I'm going on a road trip with a with a buddy one time, right? And we we pull off on the exit, and it's late, and there's not much open. And we see a sign for Fazoli's, and we're like, "Holy shit, Fazoli's!" Like, when is the last time either one of us has eaten a Fazoli's? And we realize it's been a long time. So we go to Fazoli's. We we don't even know what to order. We're like, give us spaghetti, I guess. I don't know. And then the guy working in the thing was like 18 years old and thought he was hooking us up because they were about to shut down. He's like, he's like, I went ahead and threw a bag of breadsticks in there for you guys. We opened the bag. There's like 25 breadsticks, and we we now have to sit there like when we eat our frisolis, we have to eat them all because you cannot just stop eating when you get like a free when when the restaurant gods bless you with extras, you have to eat it all, and it's just it's too much, to Kyle. It's too much. It's overindulgence. It's too much. That's too yeah. <laughs> it's just agree. too much, Kyle. Come on, Kyle. It's just know, too man. much. There's birds. There's homeless uh, folks. You can you find something to do with the breadsticks, man. That's all I'm saying. And and I will now put in my formal complaint. I have migraines. I have horrible <laughs> migraines. It is a big problem that is in my life that comes mm. every once in a while. Uh, yeah, get I, over it. I was. Get over I was it. That's, that's not. It's it, it's the worst thing it's in the world because problem. no one has any sympathy because they just tell you to take Advil and just move on. Uh, I was actually yeah. feeling great yesterday and I, and I was tweeting about how great I'm feeling. I haven't had migraines in a while. Uh, you know the stress in my life has gone away. I was in Portland this weekend at Nike's campus at Adidas's campus. I was feeling great about myself and then uh, I woke up today with a migraine. I let you guys know again, no sympathy. Uh, you know, I was like, can we push the time back? Maybe about 30 minutes. Uh, no one cares. No one responds. I get in my car. I can't see. I, you know, when you have a migraine, you're like basically blinded by light. Uh, and so I'm driving blindly mm-hmm. here. I, I felt like, you know, in South Park when the old people were driving around and they're just literally wrecking into everything. That was me on the road coming here 45 minutes. Uh, luckily, I survived. Luckily, I made it. Uh, I am going to be, uh, in the words of DJ Screw, I'm going to take it very slowly today. I can barely speak. Um, I am the one-eyed monster. Um, I am blinded. 
I am Rick Pitino of the podcast world today. So anything I say that is outlandish, stupid, slow, uh, blame it on my migraine and don't blame it on my own this stupidity, is great, please. This is a great setup. This great is, caveats. This is a genius move by Tate. Yes. To like, yeah, you, you you plant this in the people's heads. So in February, when, you feel, when you're making the argument that Carolina should be a one seed, everyone can just be like, oh, it's... Tate's migraine acting up again, it sounds like. <laughs> Must have a migraine today. Do you hear what no. he was saying? Yeah. That, that, that is what will happen today. All promised. Oh, man. All right. Now that we got now that we got our complaining out of the way, which people, again, they love it. They love to hear the complaints. I don't know. I, 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 was, just, I was just eating Tate, and I just felt overserved, and it's, it's, it's a problem. When you live in the suburbs, and you're in your 30s, and you just live a boring life, you have to find things like this. Like You have to find the seventh grade cross-country team running and making you run faster and just like you latch onto it and really bitch about it because your life's boring um, and leave it anyway leave it, i will it. say leave it to this podcast that you overeating now sounds like a worse situation than me having a migraine the, the migraine yeah. people have more sympathy towards Everyone. you because you've explained your plight much more than i have so uh once again here i sit here i sit people, i took the bus people are gonna reach out people are gonna reach out Kyle's, like, Kyle's using Titus. his bus route as a way to prove that he is also having strife in too, his life yeah. uh wow what a time. People what are going to reach time. out and be like, damn, Titus, that sucks. You got one extra scoop of rice. I feel for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, speak, speaking of which, this actually happened. I got a tweet from uh, a fan with a Duke basketball logo um, as his profile picture. So I th- I would think he's a Duke fan. I would, I would interpret that as saying, I mean, you know, I don't want to jump to conclusions here, but... And he said something along the lines of, the reason people love... Uh, you and Lombardi, when they talk about the podcast Tate is on, is because Tate sucks. He's the worst, <laughs> mm. and I'm not going to listen to your pod. Yep. He, and, he, and he said, I'm not going to listen to your pod. If You you, you need to find a new co-host, or else I'm not going to listen to your pod again. And, Beautiful. Um, Ryan Rosillo. I bring... I bring that up to say the guy's not listening now, so he's not going to be upset. When I, I'm going to pivot to... <laughs> I'm going to pivot to this, because this guy's not going to be upset. Uh Last week we did talk about Duke. You fired a lot of people up because you were, you know, just be you were you were Tate doing Tate things. Um, we we spent most of the did we talk about anything else but Duke? No. Uh, the one thing the the one thing we did not get to that I wanted to get to was North Carolina. That was the, I mean we, you briefly mentioned it that you love North Carolina, <laughs> uh, and then I was giving it some more thought, and and then we get the feedback from the people like everyone. Everyone says they hate you talking shit about Duke because you're a homer, whatever. You know, like like as if like like people listening don't want to hear you talk shit about Duke. Like honestly, your Coach K impression is the best thing that this podcast has ever produced, and people complain about it. So screw them. But uh, Tate, the point is, I didn't give you a fair chance to talk about Carolina, and I was thinking about it last week that Carolina is actually interesting. Like I really thought about it, and I thought, should we talk about? Should we give Tate like? 15 minutes to talk about North Carolina or is this just going to come across as people hating it and all this? And I realized North Carolina is actually really an interesting team going into the season because the top three teams are probably going to be Duke, Carol- uh, Duke Kansas, and Kentucky, right? Yeah. In some order. And mm-hmm. Carolina is like the fourth, the fourth horseman that's like never mentioned in these discussions. But if you actually have to look at Carolina's team, they're probably going to be what, like ranked seventh to start the year? Somewhere um, in there. Five so, to ten range, yeah. So Carolina being a perennial blue blood, whatever it means to be a blue blood, Carolina, those four programs are definitely, you know, the standard. Um, And everyone's talking about the other three. No one's talking about Carolina. I gave it some thought. and I was like, huh, I would love to hear the case for Carolina being great beyond beyond you just saying they beat the shit out of some teams in the Bahamas. Um, 
So that's what I want to do, Tate. I want to. I feel bad. A lot of people. You you worked a lot of people up. Why don't we just take it one step further? Work them up even more, and you make the case for North Carolina being a national title contender this year because. They are an interesting basketball team going into the season. They are an interesting team. And I will say, uh, just off the top, I, I don't talk about North Carolina on this podcast because it, it is a personal thing to me. So I, I like to keep it to myself at times. But objectively, they are a team worth talking about because of the people that they have coming back and the fact that they have probably the most astounding uh, National Player of the Year dark horse pick, uh, the, the guy by the name of Luke May, a man that loves Outback Steakhouse, a man that is uh, just... <laughs> All grit, uh, all work ethic. Uh, a man that, if you watched any of these videos that came out of the Bahamas, he just has a football uh, on the on the catamaran, just sitting by himself, just throwing the football up in the air to himself. Um, off, uh, you know. Li- li- <laughs> Wait, is this true? Yeah, living his own dream. Uh, Luke May's dad. He Mark throws Mi- the football up. In- yeah. So just, does he like move? Is, no, is it straight he, up, or does he like he, throw he, it out and then he runs and catches it? You know, when you see like a twelve-year-old kid just like laying in the grass and he's just like throwing a football up to himself, you know, and he's just kind of off. That, that's what Luke May was doing the entire time on this catamaran. <laughs> uh, God knows what he's thinking about, um, but it, but it gives me hope because Luke May, uh, all he cares about is basketball, Outback Steakhouse, and uh, you know, going to class every once in a while, especially his eight a.m. classes. Um, and th- the most interesting thing to to me about this North Carolina team is that. Luke May is a National Player of the Year candidate, but he's also probably, what, the fourth or fifth best player on this team, just talent-wise, mm. um, which is a very mm-hmm. interesting part uh, about this team. And as I'm constructing lineups uh, with what this team may look like, you know, I always forget Luke May is going to be the five. He's going to be the starting five. I've had, you know, plenty of conversations this offseason talking to people, and I list the guys that I think are going to be the starters, and I forget that Luke May is on the team. And that's probably the most interesting part, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of what was going on in 2009, uh, in 2008 with the North Carolina Tar Heels, where you would talk about this team, and you would talk about you know you know Ty Lawson, someone to watch out for, and then oh why wait you know Wayne Ellington, Danny Green, uh, Deion Thompson, you know he always opens the game with that turnaround jumper, and then you forget about Tyler Hansbro, um, but the national audience all they know is Tyler Hansbro. And I feel like that is sort of right. what, what this team is this year. Uh, most people, when they talk about this team, the reason that they don't want to catapult them into that one, two, three with Duke, uh, Kentucky, uh, and Kansas, obviously, is because, you know, you look at those teams and you're talking about Zion Williamson or you're talking about uh, Keldon Johnson or, or any of these big name five star blue chip guys. And then when you talk about Carolina, you're like, oh, Luke May. Is that, is that who we're going to compare to those guys? So that's why they get shuffled down the deck uh, to, you know, around the seventh mark, our, you know, seventh-ranked team in the country. Uh, but I look at the rest of this team, and I think the most interesting part about North Carolina right now uh, is, is one name. Um, it's Kobe White. Uh, he is a true freshman. He was a guy that uh, ended up being Bill is he Self's— related, Is he related to Stillman White? If only. Is a legacy, is he a if legacy only. Kid? If okay. only. We wish. The three freshmen that they brought in are probably the three best names uh, in college basketball as far as I'm concerned. The first being Leaky Black. Um, I don't even know if you know uh, anything about this kid, but he's like... Yes. His what? Name, What's his name? Leaky Black. Leaky? Like a leaky faucet? Yeah, like a leaky faucet because he's just so wet. Leaky Black. Um, he is a, <laughs> he is a six foot nine. Uh, some have said he's six foot ten point guard. He is basically Michael Carter Williams. Yes. What? Yes. Hold on. His name is Leaky Black. Yes. His name is Leaky Black. That, uh, no relation to Jimmy Black from back in the day, but Leaky dude, Black. Dude, that's a that's a rap name. Yes. That's a rap name. Absolutely. Like, that's a rapper name for real. Quentin Thomas is going to be so upset when uh, he figures out Leaky Black probably can rap as well, and he'll take his one his one shining belt as the as the number one rapper in North Carolina basketball history. Uh, Leaky Black was playing the one, the two, the three, and the four down in the Bahamas. 
um, which is very interesting. And he's a true freshman, a guy that will get some playing time. Uh, the other freshman that everyone's talking about is Nazir, Nazir Little, um, who is obviously all he wants to talk about is playing, going up against Zion Williamson. They're like best friends. Uh, they play the same position. He wanted Zion to come to Carolina with him. Uh, and all he talks about is playing against Duke and trying to dunk on Zion. That's an interesting storyline to watch out for. But back to Kobe White. The reason that Kobe White is interesting and the reason that Carolina is interesting this year is because he is he's he's been compared to Ty Lawson in that he is a a guy that can start the primary break. Mark Titus, we've talked about this North Carolina mm-hmm. basketball. The reason. And when they're good is when they had the primary break. Marcus Page was not able to be that person for them. Kendall Marshall was able to start the primary break by passing, but not by you know bringing it up himself with speed. Uh, we, we saw a little bit with Joel Berry. He was able to do it, but not quite as fast. Kobe White goes back to like the old school guards, the Raymond Felton guys, the Ty Lawson guys that Roy brought in. Not the Bobby Frazier's, even though we love Bobby Frazier on this program, but not quite uh, that slow. Kobe White is quick. Uh, he gets in the primary break. He's a direct line to the basket. He plays like he's a sophomore or junior, but he's a true freshman. Roy Williams is not known to start point guards that are true freshmen, uh, even though Ty Lawson sort of earned his stripes over time. We saw Kendall take Larry Drew's spot uh, back in 2010, 2011. Kobe White's going to be the starting point guard of this team. If you if you watched any of the highlights, everything that's coming out, Roy Williams loves him. All the coaches love him. Bill Self, you know, said he was incredible when he when he saw him with the Team USA team earlier this year, and he is going to be a guy that sort of I think breaks out and becomes a, a, a potential guy that might be you know known as maybe one of the best freshmen in uh, the ACC this year. Uh, and I, I say all this without bias. This is all without bias. I've without no hold is, on no. <laughs> I want to defend you. The reason the reason I want to inter- introduce this and the reason I, I bring up like people hating on you and all that stuff when it kind of felt like it was unnecessary probably in the intro is because I, I do want to defend you. Like this was my idea, just for the record. I, I was the one who approached Tate and was like, I want to talk to you about Carolina. Um, so, you know, people are going to hate on you because you're going nuts about Carolina. You were prompted. I prompted this. Um, and just I, I think they are an interesting team. I think, like you said, like Luke May – is not the best player on this team, but no. he's still a national player of the year candidate. And we're talking about a, one of the, one of the the four best programs in college basketball, and they're kind of flying under the radar a little bit. And I don't necessarily think that they should be in consideration for the top team in the country, but it's just like a, that's that's when you when you put it in that context where you're like the one of the four best programs in college basketball has a guy who is considered a national player of the year candidate, and he's not even the best player on his own team, and they also have like a great recruiting class. You'd be like, oh my God, why is, is so everyone's talking about them going into the season, right? And that's not happening. And that's why I brought it up because it really, like you, and I mean, it, it obviously helps that you you sell me every time I talk to you, but you seem really excited about Carolina. But so here's the question, Tate. Speaking to your credibility, remind the people of like North Carolina opinions that you had that uh, were wrong, or not wrong, uh, that were, <laughs> I don't know, like what, what were Carolina teams that you were down on? What, like you, because it's not like going into every season. You're like Carolina is the best team. We're going to be great this year, you know. Oh yeah, I Am mean, I wrong. Like, uh, yeah, let's yeah. be honest. I mean, the, that 2010 team, they win the title in 2009. They lose all those guys. The 2010 team comes in. John Henson is playing the small forward. Uh, yeah, that, that, there's no, there's not much excitement there. You don't think that team's going to be great? They go to the NIT. That's one of your favorite jokes to bring up on this podcast. That's one year. Another year is when PJ Harrison mm-hmm. uh, and Reggie Bullock uh, before the season uh, are supposed to be the frontmen for the program. PJ Harrison is hanging out with you know Fats Thomas in the summer and uh, is wearing a 69 jersey uh, at all of his mini camps uh, and is completely out. 
out of shape. Th- those are the times where you're like, maybe this isn't our year. You know, maybe maybe we're not going to work right. out like we usually do. But the thing that's interesting about this team is you look at the older guys, which I think a lot of people kind of forget that you know it's Luke May who's a senior. You got Kenny Williams, a guy who is you know a, a two guard that has shown. Kenny that, Williams. I'll be honest, I yeah. completely forgot about Kenny Williams. Exactly. Until you just mentioned him. Yeah, a senior, a senior and two he's guard. He's incredible. And he's yeah. incredible. He's got a great jump shot. A guy that can really rely on from the outside. And then Cam Johnson, who you know we saw at Pittsburgh be so great last year. He came in and basically was Justin Jackson uh, 2.0, a little bit more watered down than Justin Jackson. But he he's developing the program and he's coming off an injury. So you have those three leaders, and then you you go down the list. You got those three freshmen. You got the three seniors, which is Roy Williams. You know that's what he likes to have some talent as freshmen, and obviously some talent as veterans. But the thing that I think about this Carolina team that a lot of people are going to be surprised by is that they have three big men, 15, fi- 15 fouls that are going to come off the bench. Um, and that's Bran- mm, that's Bur- that's Brandon Huffman, who down in the Bahamas uh, had a game of 20 and 20 that a lot of people were freaking out over. Uh, I'm not going to get too hyped 20 up. 20 fouls? <laughs> 20 <laughs> fouls, yes, exactly. Uh, the Thon maker. Um, so you get Huffman, who's coming off the bench, a guy that a lot of people were excited about. He's a five-star. He went to Word of God where John Wall went. Um, you know, he, he's a beloved personality. He's, he's basically replaced Theo Pinson on the team as being like the lovable guy that Roy Williams likes to joke like to joke about and joke with. Um, And then you have Sterling Manley um, from your great state of Ohio, a guy that was at one time considered a a top flight prospect, had a broken leg, came back last year, showed some signs, looked like basically Tony Bradley 2.0. He'll be coming off the bench uh, and and could potentially be a guy that ends up starting late in the year. So those are two big guys coming off the bench. And then the third guy coming off the bench was a guy who started last year. And a lot of people, you know, think it's a lot like Bryce Johnson, maybe not as as athletic, um, generally speaking, but Garrison Brooks, who's coming off the bench. You have three guys who are coming off the bench that can play the four and five and take fouls. And the reason that I bring this up is because I always look at this Carolina team in relation to what Duke has to offer, and Duke does the same thing, vice versa. It it just just comes with the territory of the rivalry. But you have five, you know, these five men that you have at Carolina, they're going up against Vrankovic, Marcus Bolden, and Javin Delaria, right? Those are the the five that Duke has. This is a good point. Yeah. Like those are the guys that they're going to throw out there, and then you yeah. have these three guys at Carolina that are coming off the bench. Luke May is going to start at the five and go up against you know Bolden or Delorier or whoever whoever they put up. But that that's what Carolina has as far as advantage and depth with big men. And when Carolina has the depth advantage, you know you saw it when you played Gonzaga. You know they they basically got you know Karnaski and uh, you know Zach Collins in foul trouble because they were able to rotate all these guys. Tony Bradley's coming off the bench. Kennedy Meeks is out there. Isaiah Hicks is out there. And when they have that depth and they're able to roll guys out. They're going to be 12 deep. Roy's going to try to cut that rotation down to 9 or 10. But regardless, they have those big men, and and that is usually the formula for success uh, for North Carolina. And that is why I am excited about the season. They have the depth at point guard as well with 7th Woods, who is uh, apparently healthy for the first time on campus in Chapel Hill. you got Kobe White, who I mentioned as a freshman, who's right there. could be the 1 and 1-2 one uh, as, as far as those two point guards. And then you have Leaky Black being the third guy. And then you have Andrew Playtech, who's also like the fourth guy who can come in and play point guard and just you know take up uh, some garbage time minutes, which is it, it, the, re- the reason yeah. that they just have so many guys to throw out there. And Roy's honestly, the, the biggest problem he's going to have with this team is trying to appease people with minutes. Brandon Robinson is a guy to watch out for that, uh, you know, maybe will get cut down to minutes this year that played a little bit early in his career. But there just might not be the time because Nazir Little, I mean, if you don't play him uh, and you don't give him the time, then that's what Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, they use all that in recruitment for all these other wings in the future and say, Roy Williams doesn't play you. You're not going to be able to be a one-and-done guy because you're not going to get the shine. But the interesting part about that is Nazir Little has said openly to everyone that, 
One, he doesn't care about starting. Two, it doesn't matter to him, you know, what his minutes are. And three, all he cares about is winning a national title. And when that's what freshmen are saying, uh, you know, those, those are good mm. things to see if you're a Carolina basketball fan. So you're telling me that Roy, we're going to get a lot of the uh, the Roy special of my starters are playing like shit. Yes. And we're going to do a mass sub right here. Yes. Because platoon. Because this year it's, yeah, yeah, like a, like an inadvertent platoon. Like not, not the Calipari, like, Cross my arms and, and I'm awesome. My <laughs> here team come is my five stars. Yeah, platoon. yeah, but it's uh the, the Roy's move where yeah he always does where it, it always seems to happen at Florida State where he uh, <laughs> gets pissed <laughs> gets pissed at his team and then subs in the other five guys except this year like the five guys he's bringing in are going to be just as good probably as the starters and yeah dude you've you've actually like talked me into Carolina being good and again I want to reiterate I'm going to say it again this was my idea to talk about this because. Yeah, Tate, the Carolina is really, really good. I was doing like independent research on this team and I was like, Yeah, these recruits are good. I yeah, like these guys. The, these are the this is the best so, recruiting class uh, that Roy has brought in since twenty fourteen, which was the Theo Pinson, Justin Jackson, Joel Berry class. And that class was even a little under, underwhelming because Jack Justin Jackson was the only five star guy in that class, and Theo and Joel were sort of four-star fringe guys that, you know, got the McDonald's All American bump because they were going to North Carolina. But Kobe White Regardless of what school he was going to, if Kobe White, you know, was going to Kansas, I would have told you that Kobe White was a legend in the state of North Carolina as far as high school. He broke he broke my great uncle's scoring record, uh, you know, the the North Carolina scoring record. Uh, he literally has just been all over the like the McDonald's All American game. Everyone was talking about him in practice, how amazing he looks. He's just very cool, calm, composed. Has handles for days. Shoots the ball um, like no other point guard I've seen in North Carolina history that has that sort of speed. They sort of grow into that. Like Ty Lawson's jump shot came by the time he was his third year on campus. Kobe already has a jump shot. Um, And that's sort of the exciting part about this team. And then obviously having seventh and these older guys that are in the building. um, I don't know. It's a formula for for success. I'm not saying that they're going to be a a team that comes out and and is just, you know, automatically the number one team in the country. I think they're going to take their bumps and bruises over time. But I think that they have the right formula for for Roy to win. And they're doing the whole, so this weekend, uh, I don't know if you saw this, this weekend Roy Williams had his big, uh, the North Carolina basketball family came to Chapel Hill and they named the court after Roy Williams, which we, we joked about. Uh, you were asking me why they named the court after him. Uh, he finally gets the court uh, uh, unveiled as the Roy Williams court and all these guys come back into town. And this is the real Carolina basketball family. You got Maktar Injai like playing golf with David Noel. You got Rashid Wallace playing pickup games, you know, with Danny Green in the building. Uh, the, uh, honestly, the most upsetting part to me was that Michael Jordan wasn't there. James Worthy wasn't there and Sam Perkins weren't there. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a million a myriad of reasons why they weren't able to make it back but every single other Carolina basketball player that you could ever think of that really matters were was back in Chapel Hill this weekend I saw a picture of Doug Moe with with Roy Williams which I mean I, I people may not even know Doug Moe is but you know if you ask anyone that's you know 50 years older they'll tell you how amazing that is that he's around Mitch Kupchak was back in town and and Roy Williams is just taking pictures with everybody uh you know unfortunately Rashad McCants couldn't make it uh but everyone else is mm. in the Carolina basketball family were there he was tied uh, up uh, back in Chapel Hill, having a great time. Uh, we missed Larry Brown, of course, but uh, the, the names that were around, and you know the, the people that were that were bouncing around through the system. Bobby Frazier sending me videos of Roy Williams playing golf at Finley. Um, it, it, it was just, it was a great time for for all the people that are excited about Carolina basketball this year, and it got me excited. And then you told me you wanted to talk about it, which got me even more excited. But all of this is coming from a place and, of and- unbiased commentary, Titus. This has nothing to do no, with I how mean- I feel. There's a there's a larger discussion to be had. We should probably have it off air, but uh, just about like like you and I, I think we're very guarded with we we don't want to be slapped with hom- the Homer label. But at the same time, like 
we were pretty obviously fans of the teams that we like. Um, you are, you know, there's make no, you make no secret that you love Carolina. I, I love Ohio state and I grew up loving Indiana. So I cheer for them as well. And, uh, we try to, you, you, that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about them though. And I think like we, like if I was to come out in this podcast and start talking about Ohio state for 20 minutes, that would be pretty ridiculous. Ohio state is not going to be ranked to start the season. No one really cares about Ohio state this year. So I'm not going to do that, but Carolina is very relevant and going to be very good. And I just, I wanted to introduce it and let you uh, uh, speak your piece, but you brought up a good point. You mentioned the word formula. And I think that's interesting as how like we have these formulas, like, like Carolina, this is a pretty, from what I can gather, the way you're talking about it, this is a pretty prototypical Roy Williams team and how it's constructed and their philosophies and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the same can be said of Virginia, that Tony Bennett has like a typical Virginia team where he's yeah. got his ath- athletic wing stopper and, and heady guards and like a big man who sets great picks. And, and all, like the composition of Virginia is very similar to all the great successful Virginia teams that Tony Bennett has had. And Meanwhile, Duke is comprised in a similar way as the teams that they've had in the last five or six years, or maybe not even that. I mean, 2015 is always the big exception because they won the national title and broke through. But the point I'm making is that, like, actually, I don't even know if 2015 is the exception. They just happened to win. They were made up the same way as all these other teams. I, I was uh, going to say Duke's 2015 team is more formula. The formula fits more in line with what this Carolina team is, where yeah. you, you had some of these older guys like the Quinn Cook types that were, that were watching over the younger guys, and the younger guys came in, but they had the talent to play at that level, which is sort of what this Carolina what team is built, yeah, the way they're built. What I'm going to say, though, is that uh, we know all of this going into the season, and and knowing that you should you should think, if you had common sense about you, that the ACC regular season title is a toss-up between Virginia and Carolina. Those are going to be the two teams that will likely compete for the for the ACC regular season title. And Duke is trying to like get hot in March, make a run in the ACC tournament, and then just like hang on and and hold on for dear life and try to survive and win a national title in the, in the NCAA tournament. Like that's that becomes Duke mo. And yet. I guarantee when these preseason magazines start rolling out and like you start seeing people on ESPN making their predictions, everyone's going to pick Duke to win the ACC. When Duke is like, when's the last time Duke won the ACC? Twenty ten, I think. Mm-hmm. The Shire team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. It's just an interesting observation that I had that uh, everything about this season going in says Duke will definitely not win the ACC. That's not to say Duke's going to have a bad team, but they are not going to win the ACC based on past history and kind of the way these teams are built, and yet. They are going to be the overwhelming favorites to win the ACC. I think, absolutely. So, and that's just I don't know. But that but that comes back to what we were talking about last time, where there it's weird how college basketball the the, the narrative wars seem to be won in this July to October period. Yeah, and those seem to stick all the way through until we get to March, and then people start reevaluating the teams for the first time. You know what I mean? Um, which I find I very do. interesting. Um, I, I want to bring up one funny thing about this whole like uh, reunion that came back this weekend. So they took like this this big picture on the court with everyone there. You know, if you look at the picture, you can just you know find King Rice, you find Raymond Felton, you find all these different people uh, that have come through the Carolina basketball you know family over the years. Um, and then in the picture, in the back, 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 back. There's a face that's very familiar, um, and I was very happy to see him, and that was the face of Matt Darty, um, which oh nice, yeah. which I, I I will say this, and and I, and I know this, you know, this probably will come off as biased or whatever, but um, I, I we talk about the brotherhood and we joke about all this stuff, but I don't think there's any place in the world uh, that can have someone like what happened to Matt Darty, where he felt absolutely disgraced, he felt like the university turned on him, he felt all these different things when uh, he was let go and Roy Williams was brought in. And for him to come back, 
um, and, and to celebrate Roy Williams, a guy that took his job and, and now is you right. know become the face of North Carolina basketball, is getting all the credit that he dreamed to get um, when he won National Coach of the Year in 2001. He thought this was going to be you know his world. You know he was going to be post dean. He thought he was going to be the number one guy for Carolina basketball in the 21st century. And to come back and to support Roy, a guy that's won three national titles and has basically stomped on his grave and has made him you know a black mark in the history of Carolina basketball. For him to come back and celebrate and to be there for Roy, and I saw them take a picture together. To me. That's family, because it's like you know all this bullshit. For me. Uh, yeah, all For this me. Bu- all this bullshit could happen, you know. But like, I still care about this, yeah. and it's still more important than my personal problems yeah. and my personal vendetta. Um, I don't know if, if that happens many other places, and I just had to say that. I first of all, kudos to Roy Williams and kudos to Matt Darty for two guys being able to no, uh, to come above that's that. Definitely cool. It, yeah, I mean, I, I just thought that was I thought that was incredible. I know a lot of people don't care about and, that, but I, I thought that was I thought that was amazing. No, I screw them, Tate. That's that's the theme of this podcast so far. Screw them, screw the haters. Uh, anyway, um, we interrupt this episode of the Inside Carolina podcast <laughs> to uh to pivot to something else, Tate. Um, we, we have to talk about this new NCAA evaluation tool that they're yes. using to uh the, the the RPI is dead. Pour one out for the RPI. The the what is what it used to be called the ratings percentage index. Is that what this is yes. for? Yes. Um. And now, and now it is the net ranking, the NCAA evaluation tool, which if there's anything we know about the NCAA, they're great at evaluating things. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the RPI. So basically what happened is like the RPI, every March people would like pull up the RPI and use it as like a factor. But then every March someone would look and be like, uh, does anyone notice that Bradley is like number seven in RPI? Is this not a problem for anybody else? <laughs> and then, and then this would happen every year, and then they'd say it would be like, well, you know, there's some anomalies, but, you know, Kentucky's number one, so obviously it can't be that wrong. And um, eventually the, the the public outcry reached the NCAA. They said the RPI is outdated. Uh, we have better models. We have Ken Palm. We have uh, all this other stuff that people use, Sagarin ratings, what have you. Um, we should We should lean more on this. So they come up with this NCAA evaluation tool, and this is now going to be the new standard used for seeding people in the NCAA tournament. Uh, where should we start, Tate? We should start with where, first of all, I want to start with how the genesis of this idea came about. And and so it's basically, just, they're just trying to modernize the metric, right? That That's the new thing. Everyone wants to be modern and make something new. I thought the most interesting part was who was the consultant uh, for this committee. So it, it was, uh, this committee was put together to, to figure out a way to, to figure out this new tool, which ends up being called NET. So you'll see a lot of NET that comes out. A uh, nice little, you know, I- irony with, you know, the basketball and the basketball nets, of course. But it was Gonzaga coach. Mark Few, one of our favorites, um, who was the number one consultant on this, and he was the one that was putting quotes out there. Um, he, he was saying that the, the, the new metric will prevent outliers. He was saying teams and leagues were able to trick the RPI uh, in very uh, you know unintentional or maybe intentional ways. So this this technology will knock that out. Uh, did, did you find it interesting that Mark Few was the guy that they leaned on because they were just like you know we got to we got to figure out what the small guys are thinking. You know, it, it's like a it's a it's yeah. a it's a big name school, but it's also still small enough. So it sounds like you care about the little guys, even though Gonzaga we know is basically at this point. Uh, a big time program uh, across the entire nation and they're recruiting kids from all over the world. But I thought it was interesting that Mark Few was the number one guy in the face of this whole thing. And it gives me hope that, you know, Gonzaga is, uh, you know, maybe they're going to fudge the numbers here and, and be able to knock some of the teams out that they don't want in the tournament to face. Maybe Mark Few knew what he was doing. A little inside. Yeah, that's what it, it Yeah. 
they, they went to Mark Few because they were like, we want to give you one seeds without you having to go undefeated, but we know people <laughs> how do we do that, Mark? Shit, so we need to, yeah, how do we do that? How do we, how do we award a five-loss Gonzaga team with a one seed without America losing its mind? How can we make this happen, Mark? And he's like, well, I got an idea. How about a, how about we throw out the RPI and we go with this system? Uh, so the it, it definitely is better. Like the 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 net whatever. Like by the way, the the net is totally they totally came up with the acronym first. Yes, it started with net, it. and they're like, what what, what words can we put in? All right, in of course NCAA. All right, now now we're moving forward. Which, okay. Hold on, NCAA is already. <laughs> An abbreviation. Yes. You can't put an abbreviation in an abbreviation. What do you, what's what's going on here? Yeah, it's a hat um, on a hat. You can't have a hat on a hat. That's too much. You can't have a hat on a hat. Uh, so it's a better system than the RPI for sure. That that much is clear. That that using these metrics is better. Um, they are going to now use scoring margin up up to ten points, which I I feel like that should be higher. That, that they're going to now take into a, the, previously scoring margin did not matter. So if you beat you know, if if say you beat Duke by twenty five, the committee just treated that as though you you beat Duke on a last second shot, and they never really paid attention to scoring margin, right? Yeah. Now they're going to pay attention to scoring margin, but it caps out at ten points. So beating someone by fifty is the exact same as beating them by ten, basically, is the way I understand it. Uh, they are now going to start using efficiency rankings. So previously, uh, if 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 you invoke Ken Palm in the discussion, and I know this because I did the. Uh, we got, we got to try to get back in on this, by the way. I did the uh, media, um, the mock selection process where the NCAA, like a week before the actual selection thing, they'll, they'll or maybe a couple weeks, they'll invite media people in to, to field a bracket and just so you kind of understand how the process works. Um, and when we were doing that, the question got asked, like, can we use Ken Palm? Like, sh- should we bring up Ken Palm? And the answer was no. Never, never, like, all that kind of stuff does not go into this. But it now does, Tate. They now are using the efficiency stuff. So that's good. Uh, the bad things, for me at least, they are going to not consider when the the date the games are played. So the first game of the season carries just as much weight as the last game, which I think is stupid. Uh, also, they're not going to consider the order of the game. So like, if you have a team in the ACC that's running through a gauntlet of of Duke, Carolina, Virginia... And you know, and they and then they play like a team that they probably should beat that fourth game, but they're just like so worn down. Yeah, like Georgia Tech, lose. they lose to Josh Pastner. Yeah, yeah, and then they lose to Josh Pastner. Like that seems like the context should matter there, mm-hmm. um, but they're not going to. There's the, the new system. They're not going to care about the context of that. Um, and then the other thing is, so I mentioned the efficiency, the per, the the models that they're using. That's all great, except the the three models that they use are Ken Palm. Jeff Sagarin and ESPN's BPI Tate. Oh wow, the BPI. <laughs> the BPI is getting it's like it's been validated by the NCAA now. The the BPI that says that Marquette is the fourth best team going into this season is um is being validated by the NCAA. So those are some problems I have, and this this doesn't even get to the real issue that I have with this, which is why do we need a predict? Why do we need like a a a model at all? Why do we need a a ranking system whatsoever? If we have a selection committee, isn't that the point of the selection committee? Like my whole my whole problem with how we field the NCAA tournament, and and I don't have a problem with uh, I, I do like the process in the sense that it's better, I think, than a lot of other. It's like the best system we could probably come up with, except for the one part where like they try to live in both worlds of we're going to let the computers make the decisions, but we're also going to have this committee where they're going to make the decisions. Like in my mind. Just pick one or the other because 
if, if you're building a model that can rank all the teams, just have the model rank the teams. We don't need the committee. Whatever the model spits out, like those are the rankings. And yeah, like the BCS, there's no deb- the computer. Yeah, like the BCS was. It's like these are the computers. And if you, and the answer, and like, if if you want the the humans to be involved, then just make the humans involved because we all know <laughs> that the human. humans that are in this, <laughs> I am a human. The, the the humans, the 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 people in this committee are not going to just look at the mod. Like people are going to consider stuff that they shouldn't consider. You can you can say all you want that a fifty point blowout is not going to be considered, and and they have to be impartial to that. But the committee is not going to be impartial to that. They're going to consider that, and and each committee member is going to have their own biases and have their own views on what matters more than other things. And it's ultimately going to come down to like their own opinions. A lot of these guys are going to use the eye test because they're old school. Um, and it's, it's ultimately going to come down to their own opinion. So why even have a, these sorts of things in the first place? Like why even legislate that? Like these are the tools we are going to use. Why not just open it up and be like, we're having these committee members meet. Um, they can use whatever tools they want to come up with who are the best teams and we'll just go from there. I think that's the way they should do it. It's just like get rid of all of these. Quit, quit saying like this is matters and this doesn't and this. Just get rid of it all and say, all right, committee, we are hiring you. You determine what matters and what doesn't, and we go from there. That seems like the obvious solution. But they try to live in both worlds, and then all you're really doing is opening yourself up for people to be very confused because because people what they do is like throughout the season they'll print out they'll be like, oh, uh, uh, Nevada, you have seven quadrant one wins. That's great. You should get a two seed. And then when Nevada gets a four seed, people lose their shit. And they're like, well, "Why? how did this happen? And the answer is because the committee just didn't really think like Nevada was one of the eight best teams. That's pretty much it. That's what it boils down to. So these things are going to happen anyway. So why not just admit that they're going to happen and get rid of all of this? I don't know, Tay. That's that's how I feel about it. But if, it feels like we just continue the, to compound the problem. And I think that they also enjoy the, the fact that we, the simple-minded people that are college basketball fans, can't understand how they came to these certain yeah. things. You know what I mean? It's like the more numbers that you throw out and the more different, you know, the, the quadrants and all these, they're all just smoke screens for the fact that at the end of the day, they're just going to make the decision on these 37 at large bids and they're, you're just going to have to live with it. I, I honestly, I wish that they would have done something where they went back through some of the snubs, like some of the biggest at-large snubs. So if you, if they came out with the model and they were like, here's why our model would have included, you know, the 2014 SMU team. Here's why our model would have included the 2011 Virginia Tech team that didn't make it, did, didn't make it. The, you know, the 2007 right. Syracuse team that didn't make it. Here's why our new model would have included them. And here are examples of it, you know, because th- there's been so many different you know, snubs over the years that people sort of forget about because, you know, once you're already, once the tournament starts, people forget about who's not in it, except for, unless you're Dick Vitale and you continue to bring it up, or Seth Greenberg. But, uh, you know, for the most part, we just kind of forget about those guys. So I wish that there was some sort of, I don't know, example of, hey, the 2012 Drexel team should have made the tournament. Here's why, you know, based on our new model with the quadrant system, Drexel would have been one of the 37 teams that was an at-large bid. That would have made more sense to me because at yeah. least I get to see it in in like actually working to a real purpose, not just – this right now just seems like it sounds good. We've modernized this. The RPI is gone. People complained about it anyway. And now we have this new version, which is basically we just changed RPI to NET. You know, that's all. And we added a few other things to make it seem like we're trying to be progressive. But at the end of the day – the same decisions will be made. People will be up in the same exact fashion, the same way that they were before. And we'll go back and the committee is going to make the decision regardless. And none of this really matters per usual. Yeah. I, like I, it's definitely better. And and I brought this up recently about how everything, every decision the NCAA ever makes, people just rip on it and say what a, ter- like they don't, even, people don't even wait 
to see what the decision actually is. They just get an alert on their phone that's like, NCAA makes decision, and they just immediately start tweeting, what a terrible decision. <laughs> they, don't even, yes. they don't even think about it. So I don't want to come across as that because this is definitely a better system. There's no doubt about that, that the, the net, I, I hate the name, yes. the net or whatever we're calling it, um, is, is better than the RPI. But it's, it's akin to like, you have like a road in your town that's only two lanes and it gets backed up all the time and everyone's desperate for the 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 mayor's office to do something and make the make the road like can we get four lanes can we make it wider and the mayor's office goes and just like flatten fills in all the potholes and then they say we fixed the roads what are you guys bitching about and that's kind of how i feel about this is like they they filled in a pothole state and it's great and we love that they filled in all the potholes that's that's great but it still doesn't address the real problem, which is this whole process is a convoluted mess, and you can't you can't have like all these human beings in on the the decision making process, and then expect them to take a computerized approach to picking the team. So, quit trying to do that, and just pick a system that you want to use, and we'll go from there. But I I think you're right though. Like it, I think it just makes like an out for them for the committee, so they can make they can basically throw together any bracket they want. Yes, and given all of the factors that go into making these selections. They can defend anything. Yes. They could leave out like a team that's that's thirty and three or something going into the tournament, and people will lose their minds. And they'll, but the committee can go, well, actually, here's why, and it'll sort of make sense given that their 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 standards are so confusing and so elaborate that they can bend it any which way. And maybe that's what it's about is it, is just it, finding it, it out for themselves. It's about flexibility and be able to make whatever argument. You know, when they whenever we have the the Sunday selection show and they bring in the guy that comes in and they ask, you know, why uh, Dayton didn't make the tournament and he has like a million different, you know, well, they had this many quadrant one wins and blah, blah, blah. And then and then he has the perfect answer already constructed and no one really has like a, a way to follow up on it. But what about, you know, the neutral blah, blah, blah in this quadrant three that they took this loss, blah, blah, blah. Like no one has any follow up. They're like, okay, that's the answer. Let's move on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, everything you just said applies to the team that got in above them, though. How do you respond to that? Like, no one even, no one ever asked that question of, yeah, but the team that got in has the exact same problem of having lost a home game by 35, and yet they got in. So, what did, what, explain yourself. How come, Chief Willoughby? How come? Put up some billboards. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's perfect. Should, should we yeah. explain what yeah. the, the actual logistics of the, the new quadrants are? So, it's like quadrant one is a win at home yeah. 1 to 30. It's a neutral 1 to 50, away 1 to 75. Quadrant 2 31 to 75 at bored. home. Yeah, I'm already bored too. Exactly. And that's I'm the whole point. Bored. That's that's the whole point. That that's why they do this. They just keep throwing numbers at us. They know we don't like math, except for you like math. So I guess you can you can deal with all this. But they just throw all this, throw it at the wall. No one cares and we continue to move on and you know, some teams will be upset that they don't get in, but at least at least they're trying, I guess. That's what we'll say. At least they're trying. Uh one one last thing we got to hit before we wrap this up. Um, the Rick Pitino book is coming, and we know this. We've again every time. I, by the way, just saying the Rick Pitino book is coming is is we're back at square one with Rick Pitino Tate, where everything we say just sounds like a double entendre. Yes, um, it's gripping. It's a gripping we know, book. We, we we knew the book was coming. Uh, it is. It, it will be out next Tuesday, a week from today, Tate. Um, so. We did not get a pre-order. We did not get a, a advanced copy, unfortunately. But two men in the college basketball world did get an advanced copy. Yes. One of those men was Dick Vitale, who tweeted a picture of himself smiling, holding up the book cover. Said, and it says, his tweet reads, Hot off the press, 
slash for some reason. I don't know why he, he punctuates with slashes, but he does. Hot off the press, press slash, get the all caps truth about yes. the hoop scandal slash a key all caps again fact slash Rick Pitino and no one on his staff were indicted like many others, yet he gets fired slash read what he says. And I believe if you were a naysayer, you might change your feelings slash a super in all caps read. Hashtag fake news. So no. uh, uh, a parentheses sponsored. <laughs> the, the reviews are in and it sounds like, uh, you know, you might want to bite your tongue. Do you want to take back anything negative you said about Rick Pitino knowing this date that you're about to get, you're about to eat crow. When we read this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I honestly feel bad. I, I feel like I should go back to the files and delete some of the things we've said. Uh, my favorite thing that has come out that has been leaked so far is that apparently in this book, uh, the biggest rivalry in sports uh, is Rick Patino versus Papa John. <laughs> Apparently, these two people oh, they hate each other. They hated each other. That was the biggest thing that I've seen no, that's come no. out. They, that they uh, uh, apparently Papa John and Rick Pitino were at uh, uh, like basically at odds the entire time that they were at Louisville together, and that is worth the read. That's what I want to read. My my goal is that Rick uh, Pitino has pinned this whole thing on Papa John. They got the same lawyers too, right? That's I'm kidding. That's best they case scenario. I'm, kidding. I'm, oh, sure okay. I'm kidding. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. How many Dude, lawyers, incredible how how many lawyers are there? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, how many lawyers in Louisville are like, I want to touch these two cases? Is, <laughs> I guess I guess probably a lot. Lawyers, you know, they probably just know that they can make a ton of money off this. But um, yeah, I would I would not want to go into business with either of those guys. Uh, Dickie V then retweets, by the way, somebody somebody quote tweets that original Dickie V tweet. And he, he Dickie V retweets this guy. And his tweet said, thank you, Dickie V, even though you stay riding Cal slash UK's jock. <laughs> I, I I appreciate you writing for my guy and doing what at go cards should have done. Wait till the dust settles before ruining someone's legacy slash career. I just love that that like there's like a subtle jab in the tweet and, Rick, and Diggy V retweeted it. The sub guy said, even though you stay riding Cal and UK's jock, and Dickie V is like smashing the retweet button. <laughs> but but it's also awesome because like you know Dickie V is always accused of riding Coach K's jock, so he probably liked that someone else was saying he's like, oh that makes me unbiased, yeah. you know? Change the narrative. Oh baby, yeah. oh. <laughs> he loved that. Dickie V invented team. Dickie V invented team Blue Blood that you and I are now a member of. Yes, he yes. was. Uh, he, he's he our was godfather. Team Blue Blood guy. He is our godfather. Uh. And then the other thing I, I was going to mention is Jay Billis also got our advanced copy, and he said he read it, and his his uh, commentary was very different. Just finished <laughs> reading an advanced copy of Rick Pitino's book. What a compelling book, from the NCAA to the FBI to a detailed history of how the money influence has changed the game. Like him or not, Pitino's book is gripping stuff, which uh, you notice he didn't, you know. Gripping. There was no support of Rick Pitino whatsoever. And, and he said, like him or not, Pitino's book is gripping stuff, Tate. And... You know, I am someone who likes or does not like Rick Pitino. I fit into that category, so I'm very excited to read this book. Uh, here's how this is going to work, though. I, I, the, the, the bigger picture, um, we are going to do a book club on this podcast. Uh, the book comes out next week. We record pods on Tuesday, so we are not going to do it next week, even though the book will have technically, like, you could have, some of you may finish the book if if you finish quickly. It is gripping. If you finish quickly, you, like Rick Pitino, you, you will finish quickly. You yeah. will, you yeah. will be able to talk. If you about finish it quickly, Tuesday. you might, you might finish the book before you listen to the podcast. So if you're confused, like why aren't you guys talking about the book on the podcast? We're gonna give people like a full week. Mm-hmm. So next week we're going to basically just get hyped up about the book again, and then the week after that is when the Rick Pitino book club starts. So two, you have two weeks from now, basically. Perfect. Um, that's that. So anyway, get get your pre-orders in, folks. This is going to be insane. We're we're going to absolutely love it, especially now you're telling me. That Papa John and Rick Patino hated each other. That's that's so perfect. It's the best um, thing. 
Anything else before we go, Tate? Anything else? Uh, Cole Anthony, one of our guys that were keeping an eye on Greg Anthony's son, uh, John Wall was came out watching a video of him, said he would bust his daddy's ass. Uh, he broke down uh, his top twelve. You know, these are big things that happen in recruiting. He cut bro. his list to twelve. Cut his list to twelve, guys. This is this is big. It was news. at twenty seven. Yes, and he cut it down to twelve. Yep. So so keep congrats. an eye on that. That's out there. That's happening. Uh, we're going to be in New York City this weekend, myself and Mark Titus. Uh, we're mm-hmm. going to be watching college football on Saturday somewhere at NYC. I'm Wait, sure. We'll, I'm sure we'll tweet about being somewhere in NYC, and uh, if people are around and want to come and bother us. You know, feel free. We'll, Nothing we, says college football like New York City. Yes, yes. Nothing says the start of college football like New York City. The home Actually, of the pinstripe ball for college football. Yes, <laughs> they love their college football. Uh, Cole Anthony, uh, great opportunity for Cole Anthony this year to do the one thing I've wanted recruits to do my entire. I just want to see one person do this where they just come out, and especially when his list is still at 12, which is, I made that joke last week, how absurd that is that these guys cut their list to freaking 12. Um, I want him to come out and say, I will, I commit to whoever wins the national championship this year. Yes. Yes. Boom. Just like whatever happens, I don't care how it happens, just whatever team wins it all is where I'm going next year. And That would be incredible. He's going to Auburn. (laughs) And then it gets taken it, away, and then he has to go to the team. And that, then, yeah. <laughs> and then between now and the start of the season, Auburn suddenly starts bringing in all these European guys that no one has any intel on. And it's like, how did that happen? How did Bruce Pearl just suddenly land all these guys? Just, that was weird how that worked out. Um, I'm pretty sure that's Anthony I, Randolph. I a couple, yeah. <laughs> I want to bring up a couple things. Number one, Michigan went one and two on their Spain tour. Today. Oh, yes. I did see this. Mm. Yeah. Mm. They lost. They went one and two on the Spain tour. Ohio State went three and zero. Make of that what you will. Um, <laughs> a lot. I'm certainly I'm make, not going to make anything of it. I'm making a lot of no, it. No, I'm not going to make anything of it at all. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm just reporting the facts. We're just facts podcast, so I'm just reporting the facts. Ohio State went undefeated in Spain. Michigan went one and two. So do do with that information what you wish. Uh, also, the Virginia. Did you see this? Virginia's basketball team played their coaches in a softball game, and Ty Jerome hit four home runs. <laughs> He's the number one. We had the number one friend of the program this year, Ty Jerome. We got to figure out how to wedge him into we had this podcast. The, Tony Tony Bennett took a page out of Kevin Stallings' playbook and set up the team softball game so he could just try to flex on his own team, except it backfired. And yes, the team kicked the shit out of him. Four Can't home runs and Jerome. eleven RBIs for Ty Jerome. So, um, and then one last thing: shout out to Jordan Henry, the guy we had on the podcast from Canada, the Can- Canadian John Rostin. I forgot to say this last week when we were talking about uh, Duke and all that stuff. He came up with a nickname. Maybe maybe he didn't come up with this. Maybe he stole it from somebody, but I th- he was the first person I saw use it. Uh Fat Mamba for Zion Williamson. Team. Oh. What do you beautiful. think? Beautiful. Perfect. What do you think? Perfect. Fat Mamba? Yes. Should we, should we use that this year? The Fat Mamba? The Fat Mamba like is that. perfect. So, and we um, also have some more uh Zion news that will will hopefully be flowing out. I I I'm not gonna lie, I bought a URL and we'll we will share that uh in yeah, the future yeah. once we have it together. We have we have a lot of things in the works. Um we're doing I, I really don't want to say anything yet. One, because we have a history of making promises that can't be fulfilled <laughs> yes. on this podcast. But uh, two, just it's it's probably too early for it. But uh, there's a lot of consider this really vague discussion, like pre 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 promotion for the stuff we have in the works. But Tate and I have a lot of we have our brains turning. Um, I might be going out to L.A. for extended periods of time again uh, to, to kind of put our brains together and come up with stuff. But we yeah, we have a lot of ideas that are going to come to fruition. Maybe a a Midwest swing, if if that's what we want to call it. We'll figure mm. something out there. I don't mm. know. Maybe a little teaser there, Tate. Um, yeah, we have a lot of things in the works. So uh, we're excited for this season. We, we Again, thank you to everyone who who has listened all the offseason. I know uh, 
there's not a lot to talk about, but we try to entertain you guys anyway and make it worth your while. That's always our plan here. So uh, we really appreciate that. Tate, do you have anything else? Uh, Jim Beheim, very optimistic about coaching uh, his son this year. So we'll keep our eyes on all things Beheim as well. I, I know we haven't mentioned that enough. Uh, so Jim Beheim and his son, hey, keeping an eye on that. I had one last thing before we go. Uh, is it weird for white guys to you? And, and I'm not speaking for myself. I'm genuinely not. This is not a asking for a friend thing. Or, or a fake asking for a friend thing. This is genuinely an asking for a friend thing because this happened to me. Is it okay for white guys to use black emojis in text? Like when mm. <laughs> I had a friend, mm. <laughs> I, 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 I had a friend. Away. <laughs> it was the most. I had a friend reply to me with a, a thumbs up recently. It, like it's not a good friend at all. It's like a, it's more of an acquaintance, I should say. Um, I, I was talking, I was texting him and then he replied to me with a thumbs up and it was a black emoji thumbs up. And I was like, hmm. yeah. <laughs> it just well, caught, it caught me very off guard, Tate. Yeah, I mean, it, it's inclusive. It's inclusive texting, I guess. I, I say the way to go for everyone. Uh, if you want to keep it general, just go yellow. Go Simpsons. Simpsons is everybody. Go you know? okay, yeah. Go yellow. Yeah, we need. Just we need. To, I, I, I didn't know what the rules is. I feel like that's 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 it's got to be a stand up bit if it's not always already. go yellow. Like, I, it just I, I was so startled by it that that like one of the whitest guys I know sent me a like I didn't understand if there was some sort of joke like is there a joke were you trying to be like was it some sort of comment I wasn't really sure or do you just send this to everybody um it was very bizarre um anyway that happened to me I wanted to get some clarity it's a great question uh, it's a, it's that a good is question. the show. It's a, it is a good question. These are these are issues that you and I are 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 qualified to talk about. That's what people want to hear. <laughs> the tough stuff. They want to hear you and I. Oh my god. Um, that's it. Thank you for listening, to everybody. Shout out to all of our our listeners in Brazil and Australia. Tate, they uh, we've had multiple people from Brazil and Australia reach out to us and like, when are you going to give us a shout out? Here you go. Here's your shout out. Congrat, congrats for you. Uh, listening from Brazil and Australia. Um, we love you down there. Uh. Yeah, that's the show. See you next week. Save the crew.